You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Some of you know about this, but I'm just going to tell you because everybody deserves to know about this. Um, We'll be in in Mark chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and get your Bibles there, you need your Bible, something to write on, something to write with. Um, But then once you get to Mark chapter 1, hold that for a minute because I want to tell you, if you were at at the picnic with our Lutheran neighbors a couple of weeks ago, you were blessed by the fellowship and even more by the extreme generosity of our friends. I want to share with you the blessing they gave us. Pastor Dave called me up during the middle of that, um, in the middle of that uh, picnic, and, and he wanted to say that he knew we'd been going through some challenging times with our own denomination, and we are. Um, we just have a sense that we just don't fit. Maybe never did. And um, when leaving became an option, uh, I immediately sensed it was the right option for us, but now leaving is complicated, and um, we have applied to leave, but it looks like it's going to be another year before we can actually leave. And I'm going to send you a letter to tell you all of that, but it just takes longer than you thought. Um, it's complicated. So our Lutheran friends heard about these struggles and that the amount required of us to, to, to get out would take just about all our cash. We have it. It's just going to make us poor again. So the good people of Christ the King, our friends, wanted us to know that they'd been praying for us. And at the picnic, they told us they wanted to do something tangible to help us know that they, w- they were supporting us. So that sweet church, right over there, our good neighbors took up a collection among their people. This is not some reserve fund that they got from the church itself. They took up a collection among their people, and they gave us a check for $12,000. Isn't that amazing? out of their own pockets just to help us with our process of disaffiliation. And as I hugged person after person, their one word to me was, it's just because we love y'all so much. So I could hear echoes of a Macedonian spirit. You know, in his second letter to the Corinthian church, Paul, um, the Corinthians were a wild sort of dysfunctional bunch. We think we put the fun in dysfunctional. The Corinthians, they started it. So Paul talks about the grace of God that was given to the Macedonian people. And and he writes this, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in such rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Does that not sound familiar? Our Lutheran neighbors gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us entirely on their own. They are pleading with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I mean literally pleading with us. They, they gave that huge gift, and then last week, Pastor Amy, you know, Pastor Dave has been the pastor there forever, but the mantle is slowly shifting to Pastor Amy, and she called me up and she said, 
our people are on fire now. They don't want to stop. And so they're going to have a fundraiser for y'all. And um, you know, we can't ha handle more than 100 people in our church. But we're, so we just wonder maybe if you guys want to sell some tickets. <laughs> it's like, yes, we want to sell some tickets. Y'all all need to buy a ticket, okay? And then they said, but you know, of course, we can only take about 100 people in our church. So I asked, would, would y'all like to have it over at our church? We could have 200 people at our church for a, for a meal. And they thought that would be awesome. So you need to mark your calendar on August 12th. That's a Friday, August 12th. There's going to be barbecue night um, from the Lutherans. And, um, and I'm so humbled by it, so deeply moved. Aren't you? I mean, aren't you? And I wanted to share all this with you so you could feel the generosity of spirit that I have felt even in this weird time when we aren't quite where we want to be yet. And I also want to share it because generosity like this deserves to be celebrated and acknowledged. So we've made a card that's out there on the table in the gathering hall. And before you leave, I'm asking every person in the room to please go by and sign the card. They gave us $12,000, we're gonna give them a card. <laughs> but it's a big card. <clears throat> so stop by before you leave and write something kind to our friends. We wanna present it to them next week. You know, I, I hate how hard this whole season's been. I hate that because of the supply chain glut, our playground has taken 10 months to get here supposed to be here last week and it was supposed to be here this week we hope it's going to be here next week 10 months we've been waiting for our playground and I hate that we're going to have to wait another year that we didn't plan to wait in order to finally be done with uh, our connection with the United Methodist Church I don't understand why some things are just so hard for us but I got to tell you this we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and so I know we're going to be okay. And Mark feels like the perfect story for this moment, because Mark is me, and maybe Mark is you, too. Mark struggled with hard things, and he had to grow into his discipleship and, and figure out how to do hard things without running from them. So I'm excited that we're gonna be with Mark this summer, and I wanna give you three ways to interact with the book of Mark as we study it. The first option that you've got is uh, to read the, this is my Mark challenge for you this summer. Sometime before we finish this study, I want you to read the whole book of Mark out loud in one sitting. You could do it at Starbucks if you wanna be just that kind of weird. Probably you're gonna to wanna to do it at home. But I want you to read the whole book out loud in one sitting. The first time I did this, I couldn't sit because after, at times it's so explosive and so fun. And, um, and so I want you guys to do that. You're gonna find out things about Mark that you couldn't get if you didn't do it this way. You'll find humor and drama and Jesus, so much Jesus, which is what Mark wants you to hear. The second thing I want you to do is to find the, the Gospel of Mark video on the Bible Project. It's, I don't know, I don't know, less than 20 minutes, however long it is. But it gives you a great overview of the whole uh, book of Mark. And the Bible Project's one of, those people are just, I'm a big fan. So um, just Google the Bible Project, and when you get there, look for the book of Mark, and you can watch it.
And the third thing I want you to do is to listen to a podcast. If you're a podcast kind of person, I want you to listen to the Naked Man podcast by Sean Gladding. Um, it's, a, it's a marvelous telling of Mark's whole story. And parents, this is great for you if, you're, if you've got kids. Every podcast, there's about 45 of them, but they're just seven or eight minutes long, each one. And they tell the story of Mark in a fictional way so you can get a real flavor for the setting and culture. It's really good. And it's easy to listen to. And you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sean does a great job in the podcast of giving us a sense of how Mark evolved from being a guy who tended to run from hard things to being a disciple hungry to take on the authority of Jesus. And the title of his podcast, The, the Naked Man, it has a story behind it. I want to tell you that story. In Mark chapter 14, almost to the end of Mark's gospel, there's a funny verse in the middle of the story of Jesus being arrested. I mean, that sounds weird, right? There's a funny verse in the middle of the story of Jesus being arrested, but it is true. In that scene, when Jesus gets arrested, he's praying his heart out. He, he has a difficult option sitting in front of him, and he'd really rather do something else so he's praying, and he, and he has some disciples with him there in this wooded place in Gethsemane. And, and Jesus wanted his people close by in this, in this tough hour, but his disciples are just a you know, mess of a human being. They're groggy. They're falling asleep, um, which only frustrates Jesus more than he's already frustrated. Um, but then the crowd shows up. The one Jews, Judas was paid to stir up with swords and clubs and they're there to haul Jesus off. Somebody, probably Peter, cuts off the ear of one of the people who were holding swords and clubs. His emotions get ahead of his brain. And then pandemonium breaks out and everybody is grabbing everybody. <laughs> and a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment is grabbed by the mob, just his clothes. And he manages to escape by shimmying out of his clothes and then running naked into the night. <laughs> that guy was probably Mark. And it isn't the only time he ran. The book of Acts tells the story of how the gospel began to heat up and, and Paul and Barnabas are, are, are uh, telling about Jesus, get, traveling all over, sharing the good news the, about, about the Christ and, and, um, and they're casting out demons and preaching the gospel and seeing people get saved. And then Acts chapter 13, there's this short little line that carries a whole lot of consequences. It says, John left them to return to Jerusalem. That John is John Mark, as in Mark, the writer of the gospel. Mark, who scooted out of his clothes so he could run away from the mob that seized Jesus. The same John Mark who, who uh, <clears throat> Paul would later call undependable. The John Mark who ended up breaking up the partnership between Paul and Barnabas. You don't really want to be that guy. That John Mark is the same Mark who somewhere, somehow, found such uh, a fresh start, such authority that he could write the book of, of, of Mark. And, and, it, and it opens explosively. I want you to read this uh, with me. Read this line together. You ready? Go. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. 
That opening line gives us this flavor of Mark's faith. He tells us his intention. He plans to boldly make a case for Jesus as God's Messiah. You're not gonna waste time on, on the backstory. He just wants you to see power right out of, the, uh, out of the gate. So how did Mark go from running away to having courage enough to write the first account of the gospel just like he wrote it? In my Bible, Next to the title of Mark, it says when Jesus explodes onto the earth, because that's what it feels like. This opening line gives us this flavor. It says, in, in my, um, that Mark is an explosion. In the first chapter alone, Jesus, Jesus calls the first four disciples who drop everything to follow him. He travels all over the region, driving out multiple demons, and then he heals all kinds of people, including a man with leprosy. He travels, he, he, he attracts crowds as he travels. People come from everywhere. He teaches and preaches all over Galilee, driving out demons wherever he goes. That's a big thing for Mark. He wants you to hear that Jesus has authority over demons. Come on, y'all. There's so much energy here. That's just the first chapter. <laughs> Mark doesn't waste time on the birth narrative. He doesn't walk you slowly into adult Jesus. No, he wants you to feel the shock of this new kind of humanity walking the earth. Mark wants you to feel the strength of Jesus. He wants you to hear the authority of Jesus. Verse one, top priority. Mark wants us to hear that this is ultimately a story about God's Messiah. He will go on from that opening line to give a social and political and, and uh, an economic and religious commentary, but over all of it is this proclamation of a king and a kingdom that stand in sharp, a sharp contrast to what we see on earth. He tips his hat to John the Baptist, the last prophet to announce the coming Messiah, and the word that links the Old Testament to the New Testament. And then Mark shares with us the vision statement of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Read this next part together. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the good news of God right there. It is the story of a Messiah who bears into the world the flavor and power and authority of God's kingdom. In Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. And that has serious implications for how we can now live our lives. Jesus taught, verse 22, as one who had authority. And when he spoke, demons fled. That's what it says, verse 22. And then verse 27. I want you to read this together. The people were all, go, wait, let me start again. Ready, go. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Do you hear it? I mean, right there. In this verse, the answer to the naked man's fear, the guy who ran into the night afraid of an angry mob, the guy who bailed on the first evangelistic missionary tour, the somehow, somewhere, through some profound moment, found some, some encouragement with, or, or encounter with Jesus, somehow this guy 
found the revelation of Christ's authority. He found the explosive power of word and authority. And so that little line right there, a new teaching and with authority, you should underline that line in your Bible, a new teaching and with authority. That's, the, that's kind of the whole point. That's what Jesus or, or Mark wants us to know about Jesus, that he ushers into the world a new teaching and with authority. The authority is what Mark hungered for and what he must have found after running. Somewhere he must have gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. Somewhere he must have figured out how to step into the authority of Jesus. So last week, uh, first part of the week, I was at the Texas Annual Conference because one annual conference is not enough for me, evidently. So I was at the Texas Annual Conference for a day speaking to some folks there and um, and the bishop's wife came up to me after I, after I spoke and she said, I wanna tell you what I, um, the way I tell people about the Holy Spirit. She said, um, I, I tell people, you know, especially if, you, if you're a grandparent, you get this. When you're a grandparent, I mean, before you're a grandparent, people tell you, especially when your child is first pregnant, people tell you, oh, you're gonna love being a grandparent. It's a whole different world. It's amazing. To be a grandparent, it's a whole other thing. And I'm thinking to myself, I bet it's amazing and wonderful, but I love my daughter a lot, and I can't think of it being more than that. And, and then you become a grandparent. Ah. And you will kick any 